When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, I'm Lucas, this is Chris. Uh, I'm glad to be back on the pod. I, I missed last episode, I was on a week's vacation, got to do some fun things with my daughter, go on a miniature trip to Virginia Beach, so that was kind of fun. Chris, how's your week and weekend been, man? It's good. Lots of stuff going on, but but pretty good. Yeah, you're getting ready to start college again, aren't you? Yeah, uh, classes start up in a couple of weeks. I, uh, I'm looking forward to that, sort of. I probably won't be saying the same after about a week, but we'll... we'll that college that. grind is no joke, man. I get it. But we're glad to have you back. Uh, we, we missed you on Wednesday, and let's just jump right in. Let's talk about, I think, the guy everyone in Philly would like to have on the team, and that's Dame Lillard. Uh, still seems like he's holding out for now as far as the trade request goes. All the indications are is that he's going to try to give this quote-unquote new-look roster a chance, though it's not really uh, much different from last year's team. Um, you know, new coach and everything. But this recent quote from Derek Bodner shed some pretty interesting light on Philly's approach to this situation with respect to Ben Simmons. I'll just read it out from The Athletic, of course, quote, from the very start of Maury's tenure in Philadelphia, the organization was almost singularly focused on monitoring the James Harden situation in Houston, according to sources both inside and out of the organization. Since the Sixers season ended, the team has kept similarly a similarly watchful eye on the status of Damian Lillard in Portland. From the Sixers' perspective, it would be fair to say the goal is less to trade Ben Simmons and more to acquire Damian Lillard. Now, this kind of falls in line with what we've heard recently from, say, Ramona Shelburne, who said the Sixers would probably not mind bringing Ben back into the season because it doesn't seem like Dame is going to ask for a trade before the season. Uh, you know, Ben probably has a different view than the organization on that front. But, Lucas, do you think there's a chance Lillard could ask for a trade before the season? Do you think there's any any possibility of that, that things kind of pick up suddenly or do you think we might be in a waiting game at this point i think we're in a waiting game here i mean he's made pretty public his displeasure about not being able to acquire key free agents they were able to retain norman powell who's a really good you know wing scoring wise solid defender 
more of a shooting guard than a small forward, but because of the small front court, they had to play, you know, Powell out of position already. So that's not great for Portland. Outside of that, they got Tony Snell, Cody Zeller, and I can't even remember who the last guy. Uh, it's another veteran guy. Help me out here, Chris. Who is the last guy? It, 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 exactly. That they didn't do anything in free agency. They haven't made any trades. Now, granted, I did see somewhere that you know Neil O'Shea, the GM of the Blazers, said they're not going to just trade CJ McCollum to trade him. Like they're going to do it to make them you know significantly better. But honestly, like you're probably not going to get equal value for CJ without like giving up a draft hall, like a hall of draft picks along with McCollum and maybe like one or two other rotational players. Cause I mean, McCollum's great. Don't get me wrong. And he would be good to have on the Sixers, but like I wouldn't trade Ben Simmons for him. Not in a thousand years. Cause the drop off in talent there is just, it's not worth it. Unless you're getting somebody like a near all-star level, like say you, maybe you could swap like Julius Randle for CJ McCollum. Like that could be like a talent wise standpoint. Like that could be like a similar plateau of talent that would match wise. But I don't, I just don't see the Portland being able to make a significant move. And Lillard and Beal are the only two like quote unquote disgruntled gar- uh, you know stars, but Beal seems happy to have a completely remade roster. I'm sure we could talk about Beal on a, a separate podcast, but Lillard, I, I mean, he's not happy. I think it's clear that he's not happy, but he's not going to ask for a public trade, and I think it will end up having to be around the trade deadline, maybe like even before like maybe December, January, before we see some traction on that. So I don't, I don't think it's likely. And I think it's more of a waiting game for the Sixers. And I'll, you know, elaborate more on that once we get to our next question. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think Lillard is less content than Beal is right now, but I do think they're sort of in the same boat where I think an ideal world, Dame would love to stay in Portland. I think he really wants to be there. It's just that the organization has pretty continuously failed him. Um, they, he like gave them a pretty clear mandate to improve the roster this summer, and they've done absolutely nothing of the sort. Um, they've made no effort to swing a big trade with CJ. Doesn't seem like they're going to. They resigned Norman Powell, which is great, but they're just running back the same group essentially. Maybe some minor improvements on the edges, but that, like that's not going to do it anything. And I don't think Chauncey Billups is going to be the greatest coach in the world and, and really elevate that team in a meaningful way above where they were last year. So it, it's a tough spot for him. I think if Portland doesn't get anything done, he will. I'm much more confident in Dame asking out than Beal at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I, that I, Philly, you know, go for it. I know. I was just going to interject. I, 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 and I don't think it's not for Portland's lack of trying, trying to get free agents. It's just first off, it's point guard heavy free agent class. They don't need a point guard. And then secondly, who wants to go to Portland? Nobody wants to go. To That's Portland. true. But I mean, they've had yeah, so. three, four seasons to try to upgrade the roster. They've, mm-hmm. they can try to trade CJ. I think that seems like a pretty easy decision at this point because clearly their ceiling is not much higher than the first or second round. And, and 
just doesn't seem like they're willing to take that leap. And from Philly's perspective, I don't think Daryl Morey is going to facilitate a move that might keep Dame in Portland. Like, Ben is a pretty clear upgrade over CJ, as you said. Mm -hmm. He makes them better. So I don't think Morey's going to do something that would both harm the Sixers' chances of getting Lillard, like, like, in two ways, in that they wouldn't have been to offer in a trade, and in that Lillard might be more compelled to stay if Ben was his running mate instead of CJ. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I do think it's a waiting game at this point, Lucas. So let's say Lillard doesn't ask for a trade. Do you think the Sixers, despite Ben's pretty public discontent at this point, do you think the Sixers keep Ben into the regular season and just wait it out, kind of tough out the discomfort that that would bring. Do, do you see that being possible? Attention Sixers fans across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a grooming problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with a brand new lawnmower 4.0. Thanks to the Manscaped trimmer, your astronaut helmets will be nice and smooth, and they'll feel like they're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job. With the fourth generation trimmer that features a cutting edge ceramic blade, you'll reduce grooming accidents due to their advanced skin safe technology. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Again, that's manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. And now, back to the podcast. I mean, I do because, and I told you this all off the air, but this is how I see it. I think Neil O'Shea and Daryl Morey are in a game of chicken because Neil O'Shea is waiting for Morey to crack and be like, okay, let's just get Ben out of here. We'll take CJ. You know, we, we, you know that's, we'll just do that. But Morey is playing the game as, you know, we'll wait until Dean gets, uh, you know, once out and then we'll offer you Ben. And then, you know, that's what I feel is going on between the two sides. And so I think Maury, and I mean, like you said, at the beginning of the pod, Ramona Shelburne said that, you know, the Sixers would be open to bringing back Ben. Um, but as she also said, the toothpaste is a little bit too far out of the tube now for that to really happen. So, uh, and there to be like a long-term, you know, relationship between the two sides moving forward. Uh I will say, uh, she didn't necessarily say that. It, it was Zach Lowe was like making a hypothesis that maybe that was the case. Jason Dumas, the Bleacher Report, pretty much like confirmed that. Said the relationship is, you know, beyond repair. But I, I, I do think, to your point, that the Sixers would like to bring him back if it's not Dame. I don't think they want to trade him for like a lateral, like Malcolm Brogdon, C.J. McCollum type. Uh, but yeah, continue. Sorry. No, no, you're fine. And yeah, you looking back, you're right. It was uh, Zach Lowe, but yeah, no, I mean, again, props to Jason Dumas. He's been doing some great work on this, uh, Ben Simmons story as of late. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, a lateral move this, you know, there are more, he's not going to give up, uh, an all-star level player for somebody less because, and I believe he said it in an introductory press conference. He wanted to go to a team that already had two established stars. He's not going to give up one of them for something less. 
you go where the stars are because stars win you championships. So it's going to have to be a star player. Um, it's probably going to end up having to be Beal. I don't know. Like I said, it could happen in, you know, it could happen in the offseason. I doubt it. Who knows? But I mean, unless I, I see it happening in like December, January, that's that's the earliest I see this happening. And that's going to be based on where the where Portland's in the standings. And honestly, Chris, they could be in the play in. They could be in the play on play in if things don't if everybody else is healthy. Minus Denver, because, you know, Jamal Murray is going to be out for most of the year and Clippers because Kawhi might miss the whole season. Yeah, I mean, but, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, look, Portland was the sixth seed. So they're, they're yeah. definitely a playoff team, as is. They're just not like an upper-tier playoff team. Again, they could be in the play-in anywhere yeah, from 7 to 10. They, they could. Um, I, I, again, I, I don't think Beal's going to ask out. I, it just doesn't seem like that's likely at this point. I think Beal, more than Dame, really wants to stay put. He seems pretty like dedicated to finding any excuse to keep himself there um what you know props to him i'm sure DC. i mean they, they did they, but you know what give washington props because at least they tried to mix it up a little bit they got better depth oh no washington improved the lakers are idiots yes. and the wizards took advantage so props yeah. to tom shepherd and them but um i mean i think there's a good chance beal stays i, I don't think lillard is gonna last past the trade deadline like toothpaste tube, same thing. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't know if I trust Neil Oshley to get anything major done. He just seems like not the best guy to be in charge of that organization. But um, I mean, but but to his defense, he's put up some pretty good teams in the past. It's just, and he did get he did put together a roster that did get to the Western Conference Finals once, but. I think location and market here is really what's working against Portland right now. And um, Well, I would agree. I mean, we did see the Stephen A. Smith thing about Lillard maybe wanting to go to New York where he can attract other stars because of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe there's some, some truth to that. But at the end of the day, I, I, I do think if Lillard doesn't ask out, then we're probably going to see Ben on the floor opening night. And a lot of Sixer fans are going to be really pissed off about that and be pretty vocal i mean he's probably gonna hear some booze if he's back in the building a lot of booze chris a lot of booze not a little a lot yeah it's not gonna be very comfortable i mean if he they do bring him back it's it's gonna be an extremely you know there's gonna be a lot of do do they bring him back as the point guard though that's that's my question or do you give the reins to it looks tyrese maxi you give the reins to Tyrese Maxey and then have Ben play more of a forward because I don't think like replacing Seth with Maxey or anything really makes the starting five better. Like I, we just need to give Maxey time. I think we're jumping the gun a little bit on him. I'm sorry. I, I am one of those people and I fully believe in him. I do. I'm I, sorry. I, I believe I, in actually, him. Actually, I won't apologize. Great, he's a great prospect, <laughs> but like. Given that Philly hasn't made any other big moves, if you bring Ben back, you're probably not changing the starting five, and that's fine, I think. Um, Do you think maybe Seth Curry becomes more of a point guard in the half court? I mean, no, because that's or just you know, point to bias. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure they'll try to use Ben in different ways, but I, I think Ben would still be the main ball handler in that group. 
again, Doc Rivers is not like the king of, you know, adjustments. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but I, I think you, do you think Ben would want to go out? Do you think Ben would go out, or do you think he would try to sit it out until he enforce a trade? I mean, is, if he's willing to give up game checks, you know, whatever. I, he doesn't have any leverage to sit out. He just crapped the bed again. He, 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 this is all on him. Like he's the one who's underperformed. Now pretty much multiple playoff series. I mean, he shot thirty something percent at the charity stripe against Atlanta. He has four years on his contract. I don't know what leverage he would have to like say I'm going to sit out and force a trade. Well, I mean, he doesn't. But the thing is, Chris, he's already putting out his preferences of which teams he would want to go to. So obviously, he thinks he has some sort of leverage. You know, that's fine. I mean, it might be a Houston situation where they brought back James Harden for like 10 games and tried to make it work. And then it just everything hit the fan and they had to make a move. But do we really want that to happen to the Sixers? Because that team's chemistry never recovered that season. Granted, the Sixers are a much better team, but still. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I frankly don't care what Ben wants, like. If he makes it a pain in the butt, which you probably will, that's you have to deal with it. I don't think it really matters. I don't think he's going to be here past the trade deadline. Um, it would be very much like a temporary situation, and I think everyone would be aware of that. But at the same time, if Ben wants to go to California or whatever, he has every motivation to kind of bump up his trade stock a little bit, I would think. So just, just just send him to the Kings. Have him suffer. Yeah, I mean, look, I I I don't want Ben back. I'm not like, <laughs> it's you know, I'm not like on the edge of my seat waiting to watch him opening night. But it's probably what's best for the team. Uh, mm-hmm. I think waiting for Lillard is the smart move because I I really don't think I would feel great about trading him for CJ McCollum or Malcolm Brogdon or De'Aaron Fox or Andrew Wiggins or whoever the heck else is out there um if i'm golden state i'm trading andrew wiggins james wiseman and three or four picks like tomorrow i i I wouldn't i would do that i'd start ben at the five and i'd just roll from there but seeing as i'm not in bob meyer's seat we're probably gonna have ben on the roster next year in philly and i think it's time to like mentally prepare for that and just kind of try to drown out the noise um yeah, I don't even understand why the Warrior. If that was the proposed trade that Philly asked for, I would have. If I was the Warriors, I would have done that because, in my opinion, that's still selling low on Ben. Yeah, to be I honest. mean, I think I think for Philly, you're probably just trying to get like twelve picks you can send to Portland. Like that's probably the most. Yeah, that's that's here. that's what I was thinking too. I was like, they're doing it for for Dame. It's a and I mean if I'm if, have more like bullets in the chamber for a big trade, but yeah. If I'm Golden State, I'm like it's Andrew Wiggins. James Wiseman might not even be that good. I I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. And and to be clear, if I was Philly, what I would ask for from Golden State is Wiggins um, I wouldn't ask for Wiseman because he has no value to to the Sixers. I would ask for Kaminga. I would ask for Moses Mooney. I would ask for jo- Jordan Poole. I would ask for two pi- two first round picks unprotected and two pick swaps, and go from there. 
That would be my that would be my starting point. I would probably still ask for more to be honest. Maybe get a third team involved, send Wiseman to a third team and get something back. I don't know. But that's just my opinion. But let's go ahead and move on, Chris, because the Sixers Summer League is uh, Summer League is about to start. Actually, it is starting. I watched some of it this afternoon. Didn't get to see the Sixers. I don't think they played. No, I don't think they, so. They play Sunday or Monday, pardon me. Monday, Monday. Yeah, I got to play. I got to see the Celtics and the Hawks. Jalen Johnson, freak athlete. I'll give you that, Chris. Um, that being said, the Sixers roster is pretty interesting too. You you know you got Tyrese Maxey on there. You got Felipe Felipe or is it just Felipe Philip or is it Felipe? Philip. Philip. Okay. Then Isaiah Joe. You got Rajon Tucker who just got re-signed to a two-way. Jaden Springer, Lamar Peters, Brandon Kay, um, Aaron Henry, another two-way. Charles Bassey. G- uh, Delaware Bluecoats alumni, uh, Frank Mason. I really like Mason, to be honest with you. Charles Matthews. I believe Matthews, wasn't he on the Wizards last year? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, and then you have um, Deshaun Nix. He was on G League Ignite. Uh, Mitch Bullock. And then you have, of course, Chris's favorite player of all time, Paul Reed. So, Chris... Who are two players you will be paying extra attention to in the summer league? Um, well, I'm going to stay on brand first and just say that Keith Pompey has posted like four clips of like random practice clips from like the gym in Vegas where Philly is practicing. And like everyone seems to feature Paul Reed doing some crazy crap that six, nine people don't normally do and making like awesome passes or dribbling around or running point. And it's my favorite thing of the offseason so far. Um, I mean, I think I'm pretty firmly on the Paul Reed hype train. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows that. Um, I Mm -hmm. I have a great deal of confidence in his future. Um, It's going to be fun to see what he does in this spotlight where he's probably the second best player on the floor behind Tyrese. Um, I don't think Maxie's going to play every game. It's probably like going to be one game and then they sit him because he's just probably too good for this. But I expect Paul to be featured quite a bit and I'm very excited to see how that goes. Like he just had one of the best rookie seasons in the G League in recent memory. One MVP was on the all defensive team there like this. he, He has a pretty extensive track record for a guy who's shown up at summer league already. So I'm I'm very excited to see what he does in a bigger role. Um, and then, like a smaller guy, Dacian Nix was, as you said, on the G League Ignite team, big recruit out of high school who kind of got lost in the shadows behind Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga and Isaiah Todd and all those guys there. But really interesting prospect. I thought he should have gotten drafted. A pretty big, bulky, physical, like 6'3 guy, really strong downhill driver and playmaker. Uh, we'll need to become Excuse more me, Chris. consistent. Chris, they have him listed at 6'5", actually. Yeah, I mean... That, that's he's even bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he's a really interesting prospect. Needs to iron out the three-point shot. Um, but so does just about every rookie ever. So I'm interested to see if he can at least earn a spot with the G League team. You know, in Delaware, I would assume he can. Uh, 
he's he's not going to get a roster spot because Philly's pretty much filled up at this point. But he he's certainly a name to watch and a guy I would like to keep around uh, the organization if I could. Yeah, Chris, I think Deshaun Nix is probably going to get an Exhibit Ten, get a you know get a uh, camp invite, and then that Exhibit Ten is going to help him stay on the Bluecoats roster next year. See how he develops there. Um, so obviously, I love Maxi. Um, I would like to see how his playmaking, uh, you know, gets better. But, you know, you said Maxie's probably not going to play too much because he's too good for it. So two other guys that I really want to look at is, of course, Isaiah Joe. I want to see how much more bulk he's added and see if he's completed his, you know, rounded out his game a little bit more. I'd like to see that in the summer league, see how he's rounded that out. And then another guy, and he's going to be Aaron Henry. Now, I believe I forgot who tweeted it out, and I think it might have been Keith, but I'm not 100% sure. But somebody quoted one of the Sixers assistants saying that he believes that Aaron, uh, Aaron Henry has a legit has what it takes to be an NBA player. He is, of course, the undrafted rookie that signed a two way contract from Michigan State. He is a 6'6 wing. Um, I don't really know too much about him. Maybe, Chris, you could give us a little bit more info, but um, I. I mean, I would like to see how he does because, you know, those, those those guys, it could go either way. Chris, can you give us a little bit more information about him? Yeah, I mean, he's one of the best defenders in college basketball. I think that's where he's going to hang his hat. Um, just a, a really tremendous, sick, like, wing defender. Um, the big swing skill, you know, again, is the three-point shot. If he can really pose a consistent threat from deep. I agree. He's an NBA player. He was a top 50 guy for me in the draft. Another guy who should have been drafted probably. Uh, so I, I think Philly kind of got a steal with the two-way undrafted. I, I, I'm really interested to see how he does here in Summer League. Um, I mean, once Maxi bows out, presumably, it's probably going to be him and Jaden Springer sharing the backcourt a lot. Uh, maybe not the greatest offensive pairing right now, but defense. I mean, they still got Frank Mason and Lamar Peters, both point guards as well. Yeah, but like, like realistically speaking, Henry has a better chance of being an NBA player than both of them at this point. Oh yeah, of course, of course. And, and also, he's already like guaranteed a spot on the, on the team, so yeah. I'm sure Philly's going to want to see what he can do. Um, like him and Jaden Springer are going to shut a lot of backcourts down. Um, that, that's question is Jaden Springer. What do you think he is in the NBA? Do you think he's a two or or a one? I, I I think he's a two in the sense that he shouldn't be your lead ball handler, but he he's a very smart decision maker. I, I, he can pass the ball. There's no doubt about it. But do you think do you think the Sixers are going to try to develop him into a one? Because right now all they have is Shake Milton and Tyrese Maxey. If we count out Ben. Yeah, I mean, I think he fits really well next to Tyrese if the three-point shot becomes a consistent thing. Again, okay. like, everyone needs to shoot better, but I I think him and Tyrese fit together quite a bit. He can pick up some of the defensive slack. He can guard bigger guards because he is such a, a strong frame. So, I'm, I mean, it's summer league. A lot of these games are going to be ugly anyways, so having, like, Henry and, and Springer just getting into guys' grills is going to be fun to watch. Paul Reed, a pretty great defender himself um, relative to the competition level. 
Philly's going to make things really hard on, on a lot of these summer league offenses, and I'm excited to see how that goes. Yeah, this is definitely a defensive-oriented team. And Phil, uh, Philip, he's – I've seen some of those clips that you were talking about that Keith posted. He was playing some really good defense too, so we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, but Chris, I, I, I think an important name to mention too is obviously Charles Bassey, who might very well yeah. get that 15th roster spot. Um, right now, I believe it's still like cap hold Anthony Tolliver's number 15, but I, I assume they're going to waive him. If he only signed a one-year contract, so I'm surprised that he's well, named. It's not fully... guaranteed, so. If, if okay. they don't pick it, if they don't guarantee it by a certain date, he's gone. I assume that's what's going to happen. Um, I'd much rather have Bassey around the team than Tolliver next year. Um, no, no disrespect to Tolliver, who's like a great veteran and I'm sure a good guy to have around the team, but he's not doing anything for you on the court at this point. Uh, I think Bassey has like a future in the league. Not to keep saying that about every second round pick, because <laughs> these guys are going to flop, but. Bassey was like the number one recruit coming out of high school. His pedigree is pretty ridiculous. He's 6'10", 6'11", one of the strongest people in the draft, just in terms of pure physical strength. Has shown a bit of a jumper, both in practice, a little bit at Western Kentucky. He said that's something that impressed Philly in workouts. So I, he's, I would give him that roster spot. I'd be fine with that. I don't think they really need to sign anyone else, unless it's Dennis Schroeder, who's probably going to Boston. So... Yeah, I think Bassey's so, a guy to watch. Of course, and just to wrap this up real quick, Chris, is, do any of these matchups in, intrigue you? And how do you think the Sixers go? You know, fair in Vegas, they play against Dallas, Atlanta, Boston, and Minnesota. Yeah, I, I mean, I think obviously Atlanta's kind of interesting, um, a because of the recent history, and b because Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper are two very interesting prospects. Um, like Cooper, Cooper had a really couple of nice plays when I watched them today. Yeah. Cooper shouldn't have dropped to 48. That remains the biggest head scratcher of the draft. Um, I mean, it's borderline malpractice by the other 29 teams to let him get there. Um, I, I, it truly just, I don't understand it. Um, Jalen well, Johnson. Would you have chosen him over Jaden Springer? I, I don't think so, but. Oh, okay. Well, then the Sixers wouldn't have had another chance then. They they could have traded up. They I I'm not saying every, but like the other 28 teams, whoever was in between 28 and 48. No, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, Minnesota didn't have a lottery pick this year or any pick in the first round. Boston didn't have a first round pick either. Neither did Dallas. So Atlanta has the only like interesting first round player, and that's Jalen Johnson, who was a top five guy for a lot of people coming into the year. Dropped out of Duke was a bit of an enigma because he dropped out of Duke. We heard like reports of maybe some spotty background checks, whatever, which seems to happen quite a bit for people who leave college. Um, mm-hmm. But a really talented athlete has a lot of has drawn some Ben Simmons comparisons because he's a big downhill playmaker who doesn't really shoot. I think he fits really well in Atlanta. I I think him and Cooper are two very interesting players, and that's probably the game I'll be paying the most attention to. I'm actually going to say the Minnesota Timberwolves because even though they didn't have a first-round pick last this past year, 
Uh, I really want to see how Jaden McDaniels, the, their young uh, power forward, is going to develop in this season. Um, I, I like him. I, you know, if if Ben was going to go to the Timberwolves, I think that, you know, he would have had to have been any package coming back. Um, so I like him. Uh, we might see some Nas Reed in there. Um, trying to think, they don't have too many young young players anymore. Uh, Jared Culver, but he's kind of a bust. Anthony Edwards probably won't play. He's too good. Um, but yeah, no, I like. I mean, I kind of am like a low key. I, I like rooting for Minnesota um, on the side occasionally, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing that game. Um, but I, I, you know, record wise, I'm not really worried about what they're going to look like. But I, I, I just want to see development from the players coming back in their second year and see some spectacular play from the rookies. That's that's all I'm really looking for. Uh, let, let's move on now and talk a bit about Danny Green, who resigned somewhat surprisingly on a two year, $20 million contract. The second year of which is non guaranteed, as reported by his podcast co host. Uh, Sanford, uh, what's his name? Harrison Sanford. I don't, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't sure what his co-host name was. But maybe we could have his co-host on here. Who knows? Shout Thank out. Uh, yeah, yeah, but Danny's back. I think everyone thought that was an important thing, and there was a pretty palpable panic around the fan base when there was a sense that maybe he wouldn't come back. Um, so, Lucas, like right off the bat, how do you? how important do you think it is that Green decided to come back? I mean, it's it's pretty important because um, there was some rumbling saying that, you know, he he didn't want to come back. He was looking at other options. So and that the Sixers and him were far apart on a deal. So it's good that Maury was able to retain probably the Sixers most important free agent. I mean, obviously, guys like Fork on Korkmaz getting getting him back was good, too, on the price that they got him. But I mean, well, I think this season he's going to make nine point six million. That's. That's a good price for a guy of Danny's skill and age. I mean, th- think about it. I mean, yeah, he's 30, what, 33 now, but he's still a 3 and D player, not as great as a D, you know, defender as he once was, but he's still, I mean, he did a decent enough job against Russell Westbrook, you know, but granted, Trey Young is a different monster, so that was too much to ask of him. But still, like, he was able to slow down Russell Westbrook decently enough. So I think, and, you know, he is a high frequency three-point shooter and as long as that's all he's asked to do you know please don't drive in the middle of the lane do those low floaters that drives me nuts um but like you know i think it's a it's a, i think it was important because who are you going to go for a replacement i mean yeah you would have the full mid-level exception then but i think they use part of that on george's niang so it wouldn't have been even the full mid-level exception then right so would have been the taxpayers, right? Which I think do they still? I think they still have the taxpayers mid level, right? No, I mean they pretty much burned a good chunk of that on Yang. Um, okay. Yeah, look, they could have let Danny walk and tried to use the full mid level, but Danny's better than anyone they would have gotten back. I, I would have gone. I'm famously not a GM, but I would have happily paid more than ten million to keep him. So I, I think it's a great price. Um, and they got him basically every, for the mid-level exceptions. So that's a good price for him, too. Yeah. And like to not have a guaranteed second year is pretty sweet. 
Mm-hmm. There's really not a ton of risk there. Danny it makes him even more of a valuable trade chip. Yep, and, and this kind of infringes on our next question, and you might disagree. I know Uriah would disagree with my general point here, but they, they don't really have a replacement for Danny on the roster. Uh, you've been talking about, like, let's hand the keys to Maxi, or, you know, Uriah would argue that Cybul is, like, ready for the moment, but they don't have a guy who can at least capably defend in certain spots like Danny and shoot as well as he can. You know, you're either trading in Furcon, who's more of a liability on defense, or you're trading in Cybul, who clogs up the offense, or you're trading well, in Maxi, who I don't think is ready to start. Well, let's think about this for a second, though. If we look at Thibel, and I'll play Uri here. If you're trading Ben Simmons, then then Thibel's bat three-point shooting percentage isn't as important because at the end of the day, he's still willing to shoot. And I think, you know, he'll get even... I I think he'll he'll improve next year. I, I honestly think he will. But I think... You can live with having Thibault and Joel on the floor at the same time if you have a guy like, you know, Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal replacing Ben. So that sure, would be the counter argument here. Counter that 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 being said, of course, Danny no, you're you're you're. Oh, I mean, better two way player, yes, but better defender, no. That's definitely that's definitely Thibault. Yeah, look, um, I mean, I know we've been following Philly in it kind of melts our brains but like you can also just have five players who can shoot that that's allowed <laughs> um mm-hmm. like even if they trade ben i think danny's starting you know i, I mean I probably probably unless unless Thibault's like launching like five three-pointers a game and hitting like 35 percent of them 35 to 36 percent maybe you know maybe he'll be pushing danny then but you know we'll see and it, I, I mean Danny is getting old, Chris. There's a chance that Danny comes back this year and just loses another step defensively. Yeah. And then and then what do you do? Yeah, I mean, and yeah, uh, of course. I mean, they, they have to have contingency plans. But, I, I mean, I think, I don't think any of us really wanted to go into the season with Cybul or Korkmaz or Maxi starting. Maybe well, I don't think anybody wanted Korkmaz starting, but the other two, there are certain parts of the fan base that would be okay with that. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like Philly doesn't have much depth as it is. Losing one of the five proven starters on the team would have been a bit rough. So I, I think it's really nice to have him back. I, I know we've had you know Jonathan Guy on the pod who was kind of upset about what Danny said to the media about Sixer fans not sticking with their guys or whatever because they were booing. Like, like, I don't care what he says to the media. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. But they need him on the floor. So. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I think that was a little overblown, for sure. Yeah. So I guess while we're talking about like you know the starting five let's switch over to the bench now we're going to talk about um you know do you let's start out with this chris does doc rivers go 10 deep again during the regular season next year yeah i think so at least during the regular season um yeah he's doc rivers i i would expect it yeah i i would say so too that's just his mo and i mean during the regular season that's okay 
perfectly fine. Especially when you have, I mean, it's, you expect that Cork Maz is going to, you know, he's been slowly improving each year. You're expecting him to improve. You expect Thibel to improve. You expect Maxi to improve. Niang's already established rotation player, and Drummond's former All Star still in his prime. So, yeah, I mean, you're you're more than fine with it. Um, so, Chris, I guess the next question is who who do you think the top who do you think those those five bench players will be coming off the bench? Yeah, I think the obvious three are are Andre Drummond, Matisse Thybul, and Furkan Korkmaz. I think the hmm. next two get a little tricky because I think obviously it should be Tyrese Maxey and probably one of Milton or Niang, depending on the matchup, right? But okay. given that all of last season and well into the postseason, despite credible evidence to the contrary, Doc Rivers was clearly very confident that Shake Milton was like a surefire rotation guy, maybe the sixth or seventh guy off the bench, and he stuck with that for as long as he could. I'm slightly worried that the next two in Doc's mind would be Niang and Shake, and then Milton, like Maxi, would have to prove himself again. I'm hoping that's not the case. I feel like Maxi has made his point that he's like way too good not to play at this point, but I'm just sort of nervous. I I, I don't want to like give Doc too much credit and say he's going to pick Maxi right off the bat because we've seen him do worse things. But I think I think it probably should be Niang and Maxi or or Shake and Maxi. Maybe the two guards would be better just because it gives you more playmaking options. But okay, okay, hold up, hold up. Before you continue, Niang is a very good playmaker. You look at his college stats. You look at his his G League stats. You don't want Niang putting the ball on the floor. He he's not a playmaker. He, dude, dude. I promise you, he can. I, I, he's like a he's not Lucas. He's what, what are you talking about? He's like a spot up shooter. No, have you? Did you never watch him play in college? I did. College is not the NBA. A lot of guys. Who okay, did you see him in the G League? Again, not. not okay, the my NBA. point is that he's capable of doing Utah, that, and especially. I, I, and I feel like okay, Utah pigeonholed him into a role. I think in Philly, that role, he's going to have a little bit more ability to branch out. And I would like to see that because I've seen what he can do on the MB, on college level and on the G League level. That's all I'm going to say. Well, look, like Niang's a smart guy. He's clever. He, he'll cut. He'll move off the ball. He, he's not strictly a three-point shooter, but he's not someone who's going to break people down off the dribble. No, no, I'm not saying that he's going to do that. I'm saying that he's going to make the smart extra pass. He's going to hit the people on the back door cuts. Okay. Well, that's, that's not really a playmaker. That's not where I'm going with that. Okay. I mean, when I say playmaker, I, I mean creator for others, not for himself. Yeah. Well, Niang's not going to create for others. Like making the extra pass isn't creating for others. That's playing within the offense, I would say. But Okay. Well, the, agree to like, disagree there. But Like creating for others, I would say, is at least like you're breaking down the defense in some way. And I don't think that's Niang's Oh no 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 no! That's not what I meant. Okay, um, I'm talking about not, his, his ability to read defenses here. and make the smart pass, make the bat, the extra, you know, hit the person on the backdoor cut, do a good dribble handoff, you know, pass out of the post, that type of stuff. 
that's what he was good at in college. That's that's what I was saying. Yeah, sure. And I, I, I think Niang is better than Shake Milton. Like I I am notoriously anti Shake at this point. Nothing against Shake. He's just Are you sure? Good. Are you sure? It sounds personal. Um it's really not. I liked him in uh, SMU. I was a pretty big defender when he took over for Al. I, I mean, I don't know. It's I just slowly lost faith. The, the difference between his his second year of the Sixers and the third year is that he wasn't making those shots that he was making in the second year. That's yeah, well, that's, that's the, the difference. Chris. That's if Shake isn't making those shots, he doesn't do much else. Is is the problem? If, if he's not making difficult shots and shooting a whole bunch of threes and making them, he doesn't really have the skill set or the athleticism to contribute in other ways because he's a terrible defender. Mm-hmm. He's not a great athlete. He gets bottled up by a lot of reasonably decent point of attack defenders. He's not blown by anyone. He's not putting a lot of pressure on the rim. He's not a great decision maker slash passer. So if he's not hitting a bunch of tough shots and like doing his best Lou Williams impression, he's kind of toast, which which is I just don't know if that's a player you can rely on 82 games in a season and in the playoffs, especially. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and let me let me get to my point now because I'm going to address what you just said there. So, the five players that I think it is, I think there are four locks. I think there are four locks. I think you have Drummond, Thibel, Niang, and Maxi. And I think it's going to be between Corkmaz and Milton because Corkmaz, even though he's made progress, he's still streaky at times. Not a great defender, though, was playable during the playoffs this past postseason, which was great. Maxi, I mean, Milton, irrational confidence type of guy. If he gets it going, he gets hot. He's he can go off for 30 points. But last year, that didn't happen too often. So I think it's going to come down to that. Those two. That's that's who I think it is, Chris. I think it's going to come down to those two. And it might be matchup dependent. I see Milton as a third point guard on this team right now, because you look at the depth chart. That's 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 the only position he can play because otherwise you only have Ben and and Maxi as the point guards. And to be honest, if you trade for Dame Lillard, Chris, both of those guys, there's a real chance both of them are gone. Well, in that trade. Yeah, but then you still need to have a backup. Do you want to see like you know twelve minutes of shake per game, or do you want to try to sign somebody in free agency? Like, well, look, I mean, let's 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 be real. What Austin Rivers, DJ Augustine? Well, Austin Jeff Rivers Teague? is already signed with a team, and oh, DJ Augustine hasn't played great in a couple of years. Yeah, that's my point, though, Chris. Who, who's who's available back? Available still at the point guard position in the market that's viable. I mean, I'd love Dennis Schroeder if he'd come on the minimum, but beyond that, you're it's probably you have to like write it out with Shake. Ideally, he's not one of the five. I, I'd say he's eleventh or twelfth in my book. Yeah, I, I would say he's eleventh. I think it's going to be Maxi, Korkmaz, Thibel, Niang, and Drummond. Yeah, in in an ideal world, I agree. That would be my five. Um, uh-huh. Do I trust Doc to make that decision? No. Um, you know, I I have a lot of confidence in Jaden Springer. I have thought quite highly of him for a while. I think he could. He's not ready, even as a rookie. But I agree, he's probably not going to play much next year. Um, you know, Paul. I think Reed has a chance to break through. 
I hope so. I, I, I do genuinely think he's good enough. Like, I, I think he's legitimately good enough. But we'll, we'll see. Again, like with Doc, I, he, he's not Ty Lue where he's going to, like, give everyone a chance and try a whole bunch of different stuff. He's probably going to pick five guys and pick a pretty vanilla way to use them and then stick with them the whole season. That's just kind of how Doc rolls. <laughs> mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. If Niang struggles, I think that's going to give Reed an opening. Yeah, look, I hope so. I don't want to set, like, expectations too high for George Niang, too. Like, he's fine, and he's a great shooter. Yeah. Again, pretty smart, clever player. But he's also pretty limited. Like, he's been playing 16 minutes a night in Utah for a reason. Um, The Jazz have more depth than Philly, so totally reasonable to say he should be on the floor. I agree. But I, I, he's not going to, like, be a world-changing backup that elevates the Sixers to a new, like, competitive level. I don't, I don't think he's that kind of player. Um, you know, he said he wants to play small ball five. Yeah, I mean, cool. I, I'm sure there are matchups where that could work. But if Reed does, like, kick butt in Vegas, which I'm counting on it. I'm hoping. It yeah, I, I think everybody's expecting him to go off. If if he continues to look really good in every context, except the NBA where he's not getting minutes, hopefully Doc like gives him a shot because I. Well, who who does he supplant? Does he supplant Niang or does he supplant Korkmaz? And you switch Niang to the three. He can supplant Drummond. I don't care. But if he shows that he's up for it, I, I hope Doc at least gives him like a few games to try to earn his spot. Okay. All right. So how do, how confident do you feel in the second unit compared to last year? Assuming that it's the starting five, that, uh, the bench five that we both think it's Maxi, Korkmaz, Thibault, Niang, and Drummond. How, compared to last year's unit, which was mostly Milton, um, George Hill, Korkmaz, Thibault, and, uh, and, um, and Howard, how, how confident, do you feel more confident in this year's you know, bench five versus last year's, or how do you feel? I mean, not really. Like, not much has changed. I would have kept George Hill. I think he's a rotation player. Um, like, that would be the easy solution, right, to not have to play shake is to have George Hill on, on the team, but we waived him. So I, I'm not confident. This bench fell apart in the playoffs. I don't think Drummond is a significant enough improvement over Dwight to, like, change the world. Um, like Niang again, I like him, but is he really going to like, is he a playoff piece? Do we want George's Niang playing 15, 20 minutes a night in the playoffs? Probably not. Like they, they still need an extra guy or two. I would think, I, I really think the George Hill thing could come back to bite him just cause if not, even if you like, don't think you can trade the contract. He's better than what he showed last year. I'd, I'd be pretty he was in, He was coming off a bad injury. He was coming off an injury. Everyone had a weird year because it was COVID. Like, like, you can't really base much of an opinion off the third of the season that he played um, in a new system. So I think had they brought him back, he probably would have looked better this time around. But now he's going to be in Milwaukee on the Bucks, who the Sixers are trying to chase and plugging a pretty important hole in that second unit. So not ideal, not what I wanted to see, but 
generally speaking, no. I don't think this is like a world-beating second unit. I, I think it's. Is it better than last year's? Uh, I, I mean, hopefully, like Corkmaz, Thibault, and Maxi all improve, and that's like how they get better. But do I think they like made it? Like, like generally speaking, yes, it's better. But that's not a high bar, to, you know, to cross. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna say this, Drummond. Still a starter on both teams in the NBA. He's going to do great not, things for the not league. good teams. <laughs> I said majority, not good team. Team anyway. I said the majority of teams, not good teams. But um, anyway, no, he's still a starter. He's a starting caliber center. I think we can all agree on that, right? No, I mean, there's a reason he. I don't think he wanted to play for Doc so much that he, like, turned down more money in starting roles somewhere else. Like, I think there's a reason he's backing up Joel. Um, well, okay, I still think he, he is – I think he's still probably behind Al Horford, who, I mean, you can even make the debate there. I think he's probably the best backup that Joel's ever had. Dibble, yeah, sure. Maz, like, you know. Competitive teams starting Andre Drummond is, is just probably not – happening at this point he i think he's a pretty flawed player so i i like yeah. him a lot i think the talent certainly is there but yeah. he's gonna have to prove himself because he was really bad in la for the most part yeah not very but good i think people. in a limited role where he's hungry for i think i think that might do something for him but you know like you said with cyborg cork maz and maxi i expect them all to get better and especially maxi chris i mean let's be real i mean <sighs> If he was, if Maxi was on a rebuilding team, he would probably be starting and averaging at least like fourteen to fifteen points a game. Well, let me put it this way: what what team in the NBA does Maxi start for right now? Let's see here. Um, if Kemba's not healthy, the Knicks. Uh, he's starting the Boston Celtics. They're not starting Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose doesn't want to be a starter. Um, the Celtics? Uh, n- no. I mean, yeah. Marcus Smart and Josh Richardson are going to start in the backcourt, I think. I don't. I, I would start Maxi over Richardson and have sure. Smart play, too. I don't think the Celtics would, you know. I, I okay. just don't think that would happen. Uh, the Pistons? Kill, he's better than Killian Hayes right now. I mean, maybe, but I think Killian is a better prospect. And you got yeah, but you, you're starting. Yeah, I would start Maxi over Killian Hayes. Um, let's see here. Gosh, okay, now you're making me think about this. So it, okay, it's like my, maybe my... Detroit is like the only option there. So I, I don't think it's like a long list of teams, you know. Yeah. Okay, my my point though, Chris, is this: is that I think that there is a chance that he can be a starter. I think I think he could average if he was a starter, he'd be averaging around fourteen points a game. I don't think that's far fetched to think. Do you? No, Based oh, look, in the I salt. think Max is a good player. I think at some point he will be like a starting caliber guard, but I, I just don't know if he's going to be there in year two consistently yet. I don't want to jump the gun. I, I, okay. I'm being pleasantly surprised, and I think he showed a lot as a rookie, That and there's reason to be excited. But I, I just don't know if I can, like, say, hey, I'd start him over Danny Green, you know. I, I think there's good reason to, like, pump the brakes a little bit and just, just be patient with him because he is a small guard. He is still a pretty 
iffy defender. And he got he's better. Still, he, he did, but he's, he's still not a great defender, and he, he's still a pretty inconsistent three-point shooter, which, given his skill set, is, is a pretty big hole that he's going to have to fill. So, I the, think he's... Yeah. I think he'll do better, but I understand what you're saying. And, I mean... <sighs> I, I do feel I think this is a better start. I think it's significantly better, assuming that the young wings and Maxi get better. And I do feel more confident. Now, would I play them more than maybe like I wouldn't play them more than five minutes at a time altogether at once, but I think they could hold down the fort for maybe like three to four minutes. Sure. I don't yeah, think they I mean, would lose you a game. Yeah. I mean, my thing is just like not a lot has changed, right? Like they, Got rid of Hill for either Milton, who's worse, or Niang, who's probably worse, and gives him one less guard on the floor, which I think multiple guards is pretty beneficial for Philly. And like Drummond is better than Howard, I agree, and he could be significantly better, but at the end of the day, he's only playing 15 minutes a night when Joel is healthy, and there's only so much he can do in that time span. So but it, as a stopgap starter, I think you know when Joel is injured, he's going to be a much better upgrade over Dwight as a starter, and Mike Scott. Yeah, I mean probably, but I just don't know if enough has changed for me to be super confident in it. I I think they need like to add another piece or two ideally. Um, they didn't really well, get any of the interesting mid-level exception guys we both listed on previous pods. Like they, they mm-hmm. just didn't get any of the big free agent names. So I'd be interested to see how much the young guys improve, but I I think that's going to be the main source of any growth is going to have to be like improvement from within because they didn't add any big chemistry changing pieces from the outside. Well, let me ask you this at the center position. If not Drummond, who would you have rather the Sixers gotten in free agency? Oh, I, I mean, I don't know. Not, not too many. I'm, I'm pretty happy with Drummond. I'm not like trying to disparage Drummond or anything, but I mean, he's better than JaVale McGee, who I had probably as my favorite target. Cause I didn't think Drummond was possible. I mean, um, I don't know. Is he that much better than JaVale McGee? I, I mean, I about that. probably they're probably about the same level of player right now, to be honest with you. Only yeah. JaVale's more athletic and Drummond's more of a bruiser. Yeah, um, but like neither Drummond nor McGee are going to win you a championship. Like Gorgie James. But they might win you a quarter in a in a playoff game, or they might win you a half in a playoff game. And that's kind of what you need, right? May, I don't know, man. Like the playoffs are really moving away from players like Drummond. Um, so I, I mean, McGee did really well for the Nuggets in the playoffs when he did play. So I don't, I don't. They can they can play, but I I just don't know if it's like the second unit is significantly better because of Andre Drummond. I just don't know if Drummond's that good. You know, I don't think. No, I, I think I think the improvement of the second unit is going to be based on how much Maxi's improved because he's going to be the engine that makes that team that second unit go. Depending on how good Maxi is, because I mean, the only thing you need more from Corkmaz is better defense and more consistency. Thibel, you just need more consistent, you know, three-point shooting. Niang, he, he fills his role fine. He's not a world beater, but he's a solid three-point shooter that can space the floor, which could not be said of Mike Scott last year. 
And Drummond, he's a pretty good center. Like, I mean, he's not great, but he's, you know, he's not an all-star anymore. But, you know, the guy's one of the best rebounders in the league. So, I mean, and he's a decent rim protector. He's not awesome, but he's okay. You know? So. Yeah. And he can finish lobs and finish around the rim. So, you know, just don't let him dribble from the free throw line. Yeah. And I mean, I think Drummond's going to look better and make a lot more sense once they eventually trade Ben. Um, and like, again, yeah, like it, it should be the maxi show. Ideally, Tyrese takes another jump or two and, and is really good next year. And that's what drives the second unit. But unless something like that happens, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical still. But I'm I'm open to being you know proven wrong. Of course, I I'd like them to be a good second unit. I would love it if Jaden Springer looks great as a rookie and is out there defending the crap out of the ball and and earns minutes. But we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I think. Yeah, I think probably there's. If I had to guess that, eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth men, it'd probably be. 11th is Milton, for better or for worse. Reed is probably 12th. And it's probably a tie between Joe and Springer for 13. Yeah, that's true, I think. Uh, um, I think, Chris, I think we've talked enough. I think it's the time for you to play us out, man. All righty. Uh, to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. As always, we would really appreciate it if you subscribe, like, leave a review, give us a rating. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, wherever you get your podcasts. It would really help us out. Hope you follow along every week. We post twice a week. You can also listen along on our website, thesixersense.com. You can follow us on Twitter, of course, at Sixersense. We will be back later in the week to talk more Sixers. And until that point, we wish you a good week. Thanks, everyone. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.